Welcome to the last Wednesday of the week, the multi-tool of sports podcasts, where we bring you our highlights of the week in sport and we get stuck into some meaty middles. On this week's show, Simon and Ben ask, do morals matter if they are good? What does that even mean? Is that even a question we can answer? Is this a philosophy show? No, it's a sports show. Let's get stuck into it. So join me, Dan, with Simon and Ben on this, the last Wednesday of the week. Good evening. Welcome round the fireside as we chat philosophy on uh, the first Wednesday of the week, or is it the last? Gentlemen, over to you. Simon, hi. Hi, hoodie buddy. Um, I'd like to point out it's nearly April, so we're probably not going to be near the fireside unless we're, uh, I don't know, a member of a scout troop or uh, something on the nature. It is is lovely, lovely weather. It's warm, Mm. like it's Mm. almost t-shirt weather, but like the evenings and the mornings are still a bit cool. Mm. Okay, so you're, you're advocating fires. fires. Okay. Yeah, burn stuff. Burn them all. Burn it all. Burn the rich. That's what oh, they say, isn't it? Jeez. <laughs> Holy wow. Hi. Burn the rich. I don't know anything about philosophy at all. No. Um, perennially sick, regardless of the fabulous weather we've been having. Uh, but yeah, the sun's shining. Things are looking up and the sporting world is uh, rock and roll. It's still going on, and, and, and I don't think anyone's yet been able to make sense of uh, who can play and where at the moment, because so much is still happening around the world. Um, naturally, uh, there's been lots of conversation uh, on sports response to the ongoing invasion of Ukraine, but that doesn't, um, of course, take away from any of the other various horrors that various parts of the world tend to present on their inhabitants um, or neighbours. And I know, um, uh, Sai, you're going to get stuck into... No, Ben, you're going to get stuck into some of this. Well, it's going to be a bit of a seed throughout the show, essentially, isn't it? Uh, Around morals and uh, good and bad. Uh, But we'll try and keep it reasonably light and, I don't know, less heavy. It sounds like it's going to be a really heavy show. Should we start with some highlights instead? (laughs) What do you think? You've gone quiet, boys. Are you with me? Yeah, basically, you I was just not. contemplating the philosophy you were talking about at the start of the show. Mm. I was writing down some big words. Ricochet, amalgamation, um, and other philosophical words. All right. Let's get stuck into some, some highlights. Um, but before we do, Schism. don't forget you can find us across the socials at Twitter. Uh, and Instagram at WednesdayPod on either. And for those of you that are into Formula One, you should absolutely 100% check out our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube last Wednesday of the week. And we did a bonus episode for you. So not only can you listen to that in audio form, but you can watch me, Ben and Paul talk about the Bahrain GP for a solid 30 minutes. I know. It's literally like Christmas for all of you F1 fans. So go check it out. It'll be in link. Uh, the link will be in the show notes as well. So let us know if you like the format. We'll probably do more, maybe on F1, maybe on other things. But um, it's something we're trying. A bit of fun. Check it out. Uh, Simon, what have been your highlights apart from our video bonus episode of the last seven days? Well, um, I would personally having you know uh watched you constantly every every tuesday across the on on the screen here i would advocate maybe uh, i don't know closing the the uh, laptop or uh minimizing youtube 
when you listen to it so uh you don't have to ruin the whole thing by by looking at youtube um oh i just i kid I, i'm being very very mean wow i know his I'm still still sore about the fact that you basically tried to persuade me that having a mistress was going to be good for our relationship. Um, I'm hey. still rolling, you know, in disbelief at, at such statements, but I'm over it. I'm cool. I'm, you know, I've bought some yoga pants. I'm going to go out jogging. Um, I'm going to try and catch someone's eye and we'll see how things go. I think it's pronounced uh, jogging or yoga. Yo- jogging. Um, it's, a, it's a soft J. Do you know what, uh, Sai? Okay. It's, it's in the book. Move on. It's noted. Get to your highlights. <laughs> Do your job. It's oh, snarky <laughs> today. So snarky. So I had the uh, fortune of, uh, sadly not live, although that was my original plan before uh, my very selfish wife and her sister and her mother decided to uh, ruin my Saturday night by going to uh, see a comedy gig i was planning to go to uh watch ufc fight night ufc london uh and uh i had to make do with watching it on tv instead and oh my god what an event we don't usually talk about ufc it's kind of a forgotten child uh i know dan is very very made very sad by the violence can't get into it um Ben, I actually have literally no idea of your opinion of UFC. I'm going to guess it's positive. You're a man who likes every sport. It's, um, it's super positive, and there's some yeah. super interesting things coming out as UFC. I like the characters, uh, of which I'm sure you'll tell us about. Oh, yes. So, um, obviously, uh, what they tend to do whenever they uh, fight, whether it's in Brazil or Mexico or, or the US, is try and tailor their product to who the crowd is so for example this time it was an extensively large amount of british fighters or british based fighters i believe it was gunnar nelson he's from uh iceland who is english based so he was kind of the that was the only fight that didn't have an english or british uh fighter in the in the main card um but the future's looking very good for us fellas um we had, uh, well, we had three kind of main events, although it usually says there's one and a, and a co-main event and then others on the card. But there was there was really three main events, three, um, well, actually I'd say four, actually I'm lying, uh, British-based fighters that really stood out. So first one, Molly McCann, uh, she fought um, a Brazilian by the name of Luana Carolina, and smashed her face off with a spinning back elbow in the third round, which was an amazing, amazing knockout. Um, we had Arnold Allen, who beat Dan Hooker, who's a very, very good fighter from New Zealand. Uh, we also had um, Tom Aspinall, who won the main event against uh, Alexander Drago Volkov. Uh, he's Russian, so he was obviously very, very welcome in the O2 arena. Um, but... The one who stood out the most, and he is becoming slowly the new Conor McGregor, the English Liverpudlian Conor McGregor, Paddy the Baddy Pimblet. This guy has um, manic energy. He has the fight style so far to really back it up. I mean, he's not really fought particularly large uh, opponents yet, as they do with UFC a lot of the time. They blood these guys in with with real, you know, low level fighters. Uh, no offense to uh, Rodrigo Vargas, who did manage to uh, get Paddy down for a very brief time before Paddy turned it around and choked him out in the first round. So, uh, Paddy Pimblet, just to put it into perspective, they did the weigh-ins the other day. Tom Aspinall, who is the British heavyweight, who is the main event, 
his uh, weigh-in had 50,000 views. Paddy Pimblett's had 1.3 million views for a weigh-in. Wow. He is, he has the star power. Now, he still has to back it up. He's only in his second fight. Um, but he is becoming talked about by everyone in the MMA circles. And uh, yeah, if he carries this on, he's going to have a very good future. Yes, Ben. How do you describe, try and describe Paddy Pimlet to Dan, who I don't think has seen a video of Paddy Pimlet yet? I, I, I almost certainly haven't. Okay. Okay. How, how, describe him in, in uh, I don't know, a few words. How, how do you describe this guy, apart from just being Liverpoolian? He um he's a, a he's a lightweight he's a very a very small guy I think I think he's a lightweight um he um looks a little bit like one of my best men Blaine but if you gave Blaine <laughs> he did probably uh, about um I don't know at least a kilogram of cocaine um he is so manic it's beyond believable he's got his own little dance um I'll have to send you a video uh, after this just to see what he's like he is. He has something else, and he has star power. I mean, he was the whole of the O2 was rocking. They were screaming for him. Um, he basically went and hugged Dana White, the owner of the UFC, after the fight. Uh, and Dana White is really, really won over by this British guy. It's the first time they've been there in three years because of coronavirus. And I would say that um, he's already come out and said that we are looking at rescheduling everything and there will be another UFC fight night in the UK this year, which is awesome because it wasn't actually meant to be one. He's obviously that one over. And yeah, as I said, the future is looking really, really good. There's quite a few good young British fighters and uh, it'd be good for them to you know start winning some, some championships because we've only ever had one fighter, Michael Bisping, who's ever won a world title in the UFC. Yeah, well, they, well, they asked uh, Paddy Pimlet. They said, "Listen, you know, do you think you're going to emulate Conor McGregor in terms of bank balance? You know, you're going to earn as much money as him." He said, "I hope so, because then that means no kid in Liverpool will ever have to eat out of a food bank again." Hmm. Now, I mean, listen, Conor McGregor spends his hundred millions on yachts, super Lamborghini yachts, and Lamborghinis, yachts. and yeah, that crap. Um, but listen, if Paddy Pimlet is true to his word and he does emulate Conor McGregor, could mean wonderful things for Liverpool. He's got the star power, uh, but yeah, is he technically a good enough fighter, or do we not know that yet, Sir, It's very, very difficult, because if you look at Conor McGregor in the last few years, uh, basically towards the end of his first UFC run and then his move into boxing, He's not really been the same fighter since. Now, he just he's just coming off a broken leg as well, um, so he's really lost it. But during his early years, he was unstoppable. And you do usually get a fighter like that in the UFC who comes around every year, someone who's absolutely just blazes a trail, really captures the mind of everyone, and eventually they do start to fizzle a little bit. Um, I just hope Paddy can carry on and, and do it. But he has... A skill set. He's a good submission specialist as well. Um, you know, he's not fought anyone particularly big yet. Tom Aspinall, who is being completely overshadowed, for example, he's just beat Volkov, who was number six in the rankings. So, um, you know, he is steadily making his way up towards a title shot, whereas Paddy Pimblett hasn't fought anyone in the rankings at all yet. So it's early days, but yeah, he has the star power. People want to watch him. Love him or hate him, people want to watch him. And yeah, it can only be good for the UFC and good for MMA in general because um, Liverpool is a real hotbed for MMA. A lot of our fighters come out of that area. It's a large number of them. He and Molly McCann, who I just mentioned, is another uh, 
Liverpudlian uh, fighter, and they yeah they are really capturing that city, and you know it's it's just really good for the sport. Thank you for that roundup, Sai. Uh, so I'm going to do a tenuous link because he's just written Frank, Frank Lampard. So I don't know what the story is about, but let's go from uh, battling in the ring to battling for relegation. Nice. <laughs> he totally yeah, that, I'll, I'll give you that. Is that correct? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not specifically what I'm referring to, but yes. Um, although, ironically, an interesting segue is the fact that Frank Lampard claimed to have broken his hand after their 1-0 victory over Newcastle to take oh, him I a few more points clear of the relegation zone. So, yes, you could say from battling in the UFC arena to battling on a football pitch or whatever. Yeah. Um, Fist fights to title fights, but, you know, they're not in the title fight, so... <laughs> this is um, this is kind of a short one, really. It's just to kind of highlight Frank Lampard. I really don't think he is long for this game as an Everton coach. They got their win against Newcastle, a really hard-fought game, uh, and then they promptly lose 4-0 to Crystal Palace in the FA Cup at the weekend. He came out after the game, basically saying something along the lines of, of these guys they're not showing any character you know i can't wave a magic wand and make sure these guys make these guys care and make sure they do this and that well you, you're the manager mate that's kind of your job that's why you're being paid that's what you've been bought in to do that's exactly what you've been bought in to do now you know like it or not steven gerrard for example really trying to bring villa players uh you know make sure they care a little bit more maybe advocating the uh paralysis of Bukayo Sacco but um, at the same time you know there's a whole complete difference between them and, and Frank Lampard is really not winning anyone over and if I was a, an Everton fan even though they got that win the other the other day I would be very very worried about the state of my football team under Frank Lampard. Yeah do you think it's reminiscent of Mourinho and the reason I ask that is uh, for the obvious that um, Frank Lampard uh, had some of his best years mm. under Jose Mourinho's stewardship at Chelsea um, mm. in the early noughties and again in the early tens. Um, do you? Because that sounds like a Mourinho comment to me, basically mm. blaming his players, which is effectively what he's done. I agree with you. I don't think it's a great comment at all. They also don't know why they're even trying in the FA Cup. Crystal Palace are a better side right now than Everton. Yeah. Um, they should have just thrown the game, and they did. Get gone. Focus on staying in the Premier League. You're not going to win the. FA Cup you're not going to go to Wembley why even considering that um, and yeah so I want to ask you obviously do you think it's reminiscent of, of Mourinho but also quick mention there on Saka what Gerard said was was harsh but kind of true mm. you know Saka needs to know that people aren't aren't going to not go in hard on him because he's he's a wonderful twinkle-toed football player and and big defenders are going to want to chop him down. It's the Premier League. That's what happens. They do not want you diving past, scoring goals left, right and centre. But Arsenal are in a really good place. Hmm. So um, go back to your first question. I, I think, yeah, there is an element of uh, Mourinho in it. But this is more the Mourinho of when things are really starting to go wrong. So you're talking 18 months to two years into the yeah. into the show. Usually in the first six months or so he's galvanized the team he's got everyone on board cut a few you know bad apples that he's not particularly fond of and doesn't think are going to do a job uh but for the majority of the team it's a very positive experience but no yeah frank lampard seems to have skipped that completely and gone straight to exceedingly negative so 
Um, yeah, I would be very surprised unless they really, really go on a run towards the end of the year if Frank Lampard's still in charge at the beginning of next year. Um, going with what you said as well about Steven Gerrard and Bakayo Sacco, um, I think there is an element of um, that Steven Gerrard's correct. Um, it's difficult because you've got all these Arsenal fans and pundits coming out saying, oh, Steven Gerrard's advocating players get injured and blah, blah, blah. And all Villa fans and all Liverpool fans are going to come out and say, no, no, he's, he's trying to be hard and you know what he's saying is true. And I think it's a difference of opinion. I mean, we've all had players. Uh, we, had, we had Jack Grealish. You had uh, Mohamed Salah go down easy, moan at the referee every time anyone looks at them funny. It's just the nature of some players' games. They, uh, to be honest, I would say Bakosako was actually second to uh, Emil Smith-Rowe in that regard, who was literally becoming the new Jack Grealish, who was going down uh, and effectively diving quite regularly. But, you know, how can I complain? I'm a Villa fan. I, I watched Jack Grealish for quite a long time. So it's, it's one of those um, situations where I think your opinion is always going to be biased towards the player who represents your side. Yeah, I think public opinion does make a difference in that. You know, we've seen Salah a couple of years ago. He started diving a little bit, and it's something he's basically eradicated from his game because I think you know when you've got people alongside you like uh, Henderson and Van Dijk who are basically going to lift you up and say, "No, nah, I mean, you know, we don't play that way." Um, mm. Baku uh, uh, Saka rather get his name right. Um, does he have that Arsenal? I don't know, but the Arsenal team are running incredibly good position at the moment. They're playing amazing mm. football um, and looking up. Yeah, Everton, three points above the relegations. They do have two games in hand and quite frankly, I can't even see Burnley winning another game this season. <laughs> Maybe they're in danger. I don't know. It just, luckily for them, the three teams below them, Watford, Burnley and Norwich are just awful. Mm. I mean, Watford won the other day, which I think was a very, very good result. But yeah, Burnley have gone yeah. from having a decent run under Veghorst with Veghorst coming in and, and showing a little bit to, to now, yeah, not even being able to get a goal or a point or anything against anybody. And Norwich, Norwich are gone, I'm afraid. As much as I love Dean Smith, gone. legend of, of Aston Villa, they're gone. So it's really, I think, up to Watford or if Burnley can turn it around to catch Everton because uh, I think Leeds had a pretty good win at the weekend as well. So, um, yeah, it's becoming less of an interesting relegation race, but, you know, it's still not over yet. Well, thank you for that, side. Let's move up the table a bit then. You've got something you want to talk to about Man United. Hmm. So um, I'm sure Ben will elaborate on Man United the other uh, later on. Um, but I just want to, it's a very interesting part. It's not specifically about the game, uh, I didn't watch the game. Obviously, I you know I have far too many sports to watch to be able to watch Champions League football. Um, but Man United went crashing out against Atletico Madrid the other day, one nil. But what was most interesting about the game? Yes, obviously Man United lost again. It's really not looking good for Ralph Ranić and company. But it was more to do with the fact that um, uh, there was a large amount of gamesmanship from the Atletico Madrid players. Now, this is not uncommon, especially for a Diego Simeone side. Um, but uh, an interesting start I read, uh, they kind of took advantage of a very inexperienced Slovenian referee because in the last half an hour of the game, the ball was in play for 11 and a half minutes. So that is, you know, get your calculators out. 18 and a half minutes where the ball was stopped because someone had gone down injured or someone was feigning something or there was pushing and shoving or the, you know, it was just real gamesmanship, real time wasting. Um, 
you know, goal kicks taking ages. It was just very, very old school, a mix of old school Stoke mixed with a, a kind of continental flair for uh, for um, time-wasting and, and feigning injuries. It was just a really, really horrible spectacle to behold, apparently. And yeah, it, it kind of leads to what can we do as football fans and what can we do as you know people in the game what can they do to kind of rectify this issue um and one thing that kind of came up which i thought was very interesting is maybe taking a leaf out of the rugby playbook as in taking um uh you know stopping the clock immediately when someone goes down so there is literally no all we have to do is rely on the referee to add time on but in rugby effectively as soon as someone goes down injured or whatever the clock is stopped immediately and it just is a much more efficient way of actually working. So, as I said, you don't have a situation where most of the game is actually uh, with the ball out of play or being ready to put back into play um, because someone's gone down injured or whatever and someone's time-wasting. So a very interesting thing, and, I, and I'd be all for it. I, I think the old stoppage time situation, it worked to a certain extent, but if you have a situation where someone is abusing as readily as Atletico Madrid were, then maybe we do need to think about a change. But isn't that part of the football to have that a skill is what it is, you know, and it's a skill that Diego Simeone um, puts into his teams. I mean, it's it's a focus on um, navigating a one nil. I mean, that was kind of the um, the calling card, if you will, of Diego Simeone's uh, time under Atletico Madrid. I actually think he'd be a fantastic op option in the opposite dugout um at Manchester United and Old Trafford to be honest um he's a he's a tough manager and he can get teams playing well and at times he's ran de defensive masterclasses not this year they've been shipping goals left right and center in La Liga um but you know isn't there an argument to say that the skill a team have controlling a game is uh, is important in, in football and you just completely negate that by having a rugby or NFL-style stop clock? Um, yes, in, in a way, I, I would say that. But then you, you look at Man City, and I know Man City can have a little bit of gamesmanship like, like Villa can, like anyone can. It's not a, a hit on Man City. But they also have that ability to actually just keep the ball. Now, I don't think that Atletico Madrid are the footballing side that Man, the Man City. I don't think there are very many people, who, uh, many many teams that are actually yeah. the, the footballing side that Man City are. But you do have that element. Yes, you're controlling the play, but you're doing it in a, in a more legal way uh, and doing it in a way that is much more appealing to the eye and you know much more appealing for football fans in general. So yes, I could you could say it is is part of the dark arts and maybe it's always been there and maybe if it was a, a Villa game and uh, Emmy Martinez is wasting time taking free kicks maybe I wouldn't think the same but yeah it just seemed a ridiculously crazy stat uh, to have a situation where the most of the game was actually not being played on the field um, and must have inhibited the, the game of football as is and that's that's ultimately what suffers it's the fans and it's the the, the game of football itself which suffers. So Ben uh, let's let's move gear a little bit let's Ben take us from from a game that wasn't fit for spectators to an entire sport that isn't designed for spectators. Talk to us about the golf. Yeah, I'm going to talk to you about some um, some golf designed for spectators. Um, well, basically, uh, there's not much going on in golf. There's no spectators. No one's there. Nah, there's important stuff. Quick one here today. Basically, Phil Mickelson. We all love Phil Mickelson. Lefty, the man himself. 
Um, I repeat, he's not going to be at the Masters next month. The Masters tournament is one of the most wonderful sporting events on the calendar for me, held in the stunning Augusta National Park. I love Augusta National Sunday evening, tuning into Amen Corner, watching the golfers go round. I, th- I think it's a truly special sporting venue and spectacle. Um, the event's a real bucket list for me, actually. Uh, mm. But who won't be there this year is Phil Mickelson. Now, reasons why anybody should care, I mean, there's going to be literally hundreds of world-class golfers there. Mm. Well, for starters, he's won it three times. Okay, only three players have won it more times in the history of the sport. Sai, I'm going to come back to you for those three names after this little <laughs> oh, segment. For God's sake. Three people have more Masters green jackets than Phil Mickelson. Tell me the three names. Um, The last time, though, and this is the real big kicker, the reason it's surprising Mickelson's not there, the last time he missed the tournament, Alan Prost won his last F1 championship, Dan. Yeah, I'm trying, wow. to, I'm trying, I'm trying to tie F1 in to yeah, all yeah, my you, segments you, today. Do you know what? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> what year? I have no idea. We already no, know. I'm joking. Uh, I listen. No, I just I'm like putting on the spot. I like putting on the spot. You're I like a proper stats. emo tonight. Um, 1993. Okay, he'd only made his debut in '91, so it's 28 years since Phil Mickelson has not been at the Masters. Okay, huge. Why is he missing it? You ask Dan. Well, he says he needs time away from the sport too, and I'm quoting Phil Mickelson here to work on becoming the man I want to be. Now, I'm all for that. Okay, I think that statement itself is absolutely fantastic. We should all work on becoming the men or women we want to be. Now, there has been talk of a breakaway golfing league born out of Saudi Arabia, Super League, Super Saudi League, Arabia, um, adding to the sort of Saudi Arabian contemporary sports washing techniques, shall we say. Um, He said, and this was off the record, which is Kind of interesting, really a bit questionable for journalists to be using this, but nevertheless, he said off the record, I'm going to quote here, so this is none of uh, our words last Wednesday of the week, uh, that Saudis were scary mother to get involved with and that they execute people for being gay. Knowing all of this, why would I even consider it? Question mark Because it is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. So... He obviously said scary mother about a nation and went on to talk kind of openly about what they, you know, deem not good. Fine, let's move away from that. He apologized for these comments, but he does still believe in the breakaway. The Golfing Super League is fronted by LIV Investments, who work closely with Greg the Shark Norman. So... We've got a Super League in golf because golfers need more money, of course, uh, which is super reminiscent of the European Super League we saw in football. This is no new information. Is that essentially what that statement says is, yeah, bad things, but money? 100% is what that statement says. And the funny thing is, is he's basically gone to work on becoming the man I want to be based on referring them referring to them as scary motherfuckers. But the problem is, for me, the actual bad statement here is, I don't agree with what they're doing, but it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for dough in my back pocket. (laughs) Now, I don't think lefty Phil Mickelson is a money-hungry moron i don't i think he's a world-class golf player one of uh, golfing uh, player one of the greats of all time and he's apologized but he's not going to be at the masters and that's going to come up in a couple of weeks now sigh 
three players have more green jackets than him. Who are they? Tiger Woods. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Jack, Nich- Jack Nicholas. Yes. Who has the most? Oh, ding, ding, ding. Bear. Um, and oh, I've, I've been going over this one. Um, I don't think it's a modern. I want to say someone like Arnold Palmer or something like that, but I don't yeah, think he... Arnold What's Palmer, it? he gets all three. Look at this. So I think, I actually think you are more than in like with golf than you let on. I'm just a or historian. With Google. <laughs> Secret I, fan, yeah. I, I mean, listen, Phil Mickelson's a, a legend, a legend of master of the Masters tournament. Uh, alongside him, you've got the legend uh, Sam Snead, uh, Jimmy Demaray, uh, Gary Player, and Nick Faldo, who've also got three. So, I mean, we're talking about legends of the game. Mm. He won't be. I the had Faldo on my list. Sorry, as well. just not see the lefty there, but yeah, Faldo, what a player. Um, but yeah, golf, mm. golf carries on and it, it changing times again for for other sports at the moment. So, yeah, challenging uh, conversations. Oh, sorry, Simon. Sorry, you're frozen, so I can't see you're about to speak. Apologies. Yeah, you, you were frozen a minute ago. It was very scary looking at you. Um, yeah, so, um, dodgy network just, tonight. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's, it's somewhere around our, our parts um, downloaded something. Um, so, um, yeah, basically, I just want to say as well, and this kind of ties in with our theme that's going to come up a bit later, but. It's very difficult for us in our position, but I suppose when they roll up these big dumper trucks full of uh, full of dough, it becomes a whole different ball game. But yeah, you do have to worry sometimes about the sporting integrity. Um, but also, the other thing I'd like to say is that he's obviously had someone have a whisper in his ear as well and told him to apologise. Uh, this kind of reminds me a little bit of Daryl Morey when he basically criticised the... Um, the human rights issues in China and then China basically boycotted the NBA and had to come out with a full apology. Um, yes, I understand these leagues and these sports are business orientated, but don't we like it where people sometimes, um, uh, sometimes come up and say things that are, well, for, let's be perfectly honest, true. Um, and uh, maybe only in situations, uh, they only seem to be allowed to do it in situations where, where it doesn't financially, uh, detrimental to the uh, legal organization it's part of but yeah I, I find yes it was a bit more worrying this some of the stuff he said was was correct i mean if you look in saudi arabia we don't want to go into too much detail but there was it 81 executions they had at the weekend yeah, yeah. Load of people. absolutely yeah. incredible you know and and, and we're sort of i'm, I'm going to actually funnily enough talk briefly about politics a little bit later in the show and it's in the same vein it's this kind of you know the massive money that these super super uber sporting stars get uh, chasing for more are they really pulling their weight um and yeah i mean you know calling any nation scary mother you know that's not cool i mean that's unacceptable you can't brandish a whole nation with words like that but the rest of it and saying, you know, kind of because it's good for the tour, that's why I'm still wanting to go there. McElroy responded saying it left golf in a, a terrible place. It's all very kind of um, hidden meanings and odd, but Mickelson, you know, not going to be that side. And um, kind of, I'm sure we want to put this this one to, to rest in a second, but it also, it was something else that came up on the weekend as well, was about Qatar and the World Cup. And uh, was it the FA or, or, or the, the UK government were liaising um, with the LBGTQ community because of the fact that um, uh, there is significant worries about people going over there who are of different um 
you know have different kind of beliefs to the uh to the country they're going to as in for example that it, it is a criminal offense to be gay in qatar you can't drink any alcohol yeah. there's, there's several things which are probably going to run people into really bad situations over there so um you know should we really be taking a world cup to a place that has such ethical um issues and um obviously it all comes down to money again especially for fifa uh, and the various fa's no no of course we shouldn't be taking the world cup to goddamn qatar that's absolutely crazy we shouldn't be having a world cup in the winter either it's, it's even more should be apparently they're going to be having drinking section fan zones so there's going to be set areas mm. near the stadiums where fans european fans and other those those that drink can go Gareth Southgate echoed basically your comments there, or maybe you echoed him. I think you're more important than Southgate, to be honest. Probably sure better at him. managing a football team. But um, he said that there's a massive section of of England fans that um, are part of the LGBTQ plus community. Literally hundreds of thousands of England fans that are, and they should be able to safely go to Qatar. Well, they can't. I mean, they should be, but they can't. So... I mean, listen. It's a sport. It's it's, it's a, that's an event I'll be boycotting. Uh, I digress. Golf. Going to be sad to see Mickelson not there, but the actual lineup for the Masters in a couple of weeks is top draw. Well, Ben, you mentioned you're going to come back to some of that topic in a bit, and I know you've mentioned Saudi Arabia later on because the Formula One's heading there, of course. But um, let's uh, stick with our week in review. The Bahrain GP, Ben. You wanted to touch on that. Yeah, funny enough, in terms of the touch on the Bahrain DP, I don't want to get into this too much because we recorded bonus content. I absolutely loved it. It's amazing. Last Wednesday of the week, we've got bonus content coming up on YouTube. We've got a sister podcast that's talking all NFL, and NFL right now is basically bonkers. I can't wait to chat about uh, with that about about that with Sai shortly, if I get my words out at any point tonight. Um, yes, we've, we've duly recorded some bonus footage. Um, oddly, my voice is still intact, trying to keep up with resident F1 guru, Paul. Um, I think the race was fantastic. I think the ending was crazy. I think it sets up the season brilliantly. I won't watch the next race because it's in Saudi Arabia, so I'll be tuning into the race after that. So it's, a it's also on Mother's break. Day. Yeah, so, Mother's you know. Day, that's the reason I'm not doing it. Um, and yes, yeah, so there's a couple of week break for me. Um, but yeah, I, I want to do some more sort of bonus content, but obviously we want Sai there. So I think we could definitely do something around um, around soccer ball or schisms or in likes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, then let us know if you want more of that stuff. But yeah, I agree. What a way to start the season. Uh, we've stuff. got Saudi Arabia up next and then... Um, uh, where are they after that, Ben? The other place? Uh, Saudi Australia. Arabia, then they go to Australia, then they go yeah, to the Imola, Imola. I yeah. Wow. And then, so we've got a good run. Um, speaking of runs, um, actually, I'll come back to that a bit later on, but the Australia Grand Prix is on the day of the Brighton Marathon, and I'm 100% going to uh, promote the uh, the hell out of that when I get a chance. Um, ben, you want to talk a bit about tennis, weirdly? Listen, you never talk about tennis. I on? love tennis. <laughs> I love it. The last couple of weeks have been crazy. Uh, Rafael Nadal has finally lost this year. He lost in the final of the Indian Wells tournament over in California. He got beat by local guy Taylor Fritz. Um, you'd be forgiven, Dan. 
for not knowing who Taylor Fritz was. I do um, not know. But yeah, he's 24 years old, American thank you for local forgiving me. boy. I'll forgive you. He's firmly now in the top 20. I think he's possibly 13th in the world um, ATP rankings after this win. The event's kind of like the fifth slam, if I can say that. It, it's one of the major tournaments. I think it's a Masters 1000. In fact, definitely is a Masters 1000 tournament, but it's not at the level of the four slams but basically just the next rung down. But it's given some serious drama, um, and it showed why Rafa Nadal is still as dangerous as ever. He lost what would have been his 22nd straight win of the year, so he's had a phenomenal start to the year, and it was kind of good for Fritzy. Uh, don't be too upset for Nadal. Um, but Nadal had earlier faced off against Kyrgios in an, early, uh, an earlier round, and it was the usual fireworks you'd come to expect from the Aussie, arguing with the crowd, smashing a racket. And he told one heckler, I like this one, he said, are you even good at tennis? So why are you telling me? Do you think I tell him how to act? And then he pointed over to Ben Stiller. So Ben Stiller's <laughs> like, you know, like unsure what's going on. Um, and he was against breakpoint on his serve. It was set point to Nadal and a heckler shouted out between first and second serve to Kyrgios. And Kyrgios said, go fuck yourself to the heckler. <laughs> and the umpire, the umpire goes, uh, code violation, swearing, set, Nadal. And just, that's it, gave the point away. And Nadal was wow. unbelievable. Honestly, I could not take my eyes off this. I was sat in front of the screen, glued to it. He is box office, proper Marmite. Uh, but quick one before we leave tennis for another week um the tournament had overall attendance of 329,764 wow dan just to give you you know that's that's some people. figures that's why i talk about tennis people yeah. love this shit uh but not quite up with pre covid levels 2019 saw 475,000 people attend wow. a californian masters 1000 tennis event tennis is a huge drawdown uh, uh, apologies, I was doing a bit of um, just admin in the background there. Did you say Ben Stiller? I ben Stiller. Because um, uh, there was a beautiful pun to be made about because he's got a TV show at the moment. A TV show at the moment was he researching for series two of Severance? Severance. Oh, Severance. see, oh. I don't know. He's got that TV show. You're the one that's <laughs> dialed in with the yeah. TV content. Down. Apple TV, fair, right? Pretty good. Yeah, that's the one. Um, I'm enjoying Ooh. it. I'm enjoying it. Check it out. Uh, but Ben Stiller directed. Um, oh, there you go. Anyway, right, let's move on then. So that, that brings us up to a fairly lengthy highlights, but we, there's so much going on, of course, ever. It's the week again. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at WednesdayPod on either, but also on YouTube for any bonus video content. I don't need to point at the camera because this one isn't on video. Uh, right, let's move into the meaty middle. Uh, Simon, you're going to kick us off this week, I think, with um, Deshaun Watson uh, with the question, do morals matter if they are good? Now, the last time we talked about Deshaun Watson, really unpleasant things were were, were being uh, investigated, I think. Mm -hmm. Civil suits, left, right and centre. Yep. Uh, so we, we've moved on from that. What, what's happening? So uh, it's kind of a bear with me because this is kind of a, a longish tale. I mean, it's not going to be too long. It's not going to be like uh, how we kind of disseminate the whole thing before. So in our infancy, we we did touch on Deshaun Watson because it is a, a big thing with the NFL. And yes, I know you listening at home are probably thinking, oh, he's doing another American sports meet your middle. Yes, I am. But this one, even though it is about the NFL, um, 
is kind of an interesting kind of question and, and something that I think a lot of sports tend to have, a, a quandary, as it were, about what sports tend to have. So um, Deshaun Watson is an awesome quarterback. Uh, he was formerly of the Houston Texans. He was accused of uh, by about 22 people that filed civil suits against him for um, forced kissing, uh, forced touching of genitals, uh, potentially forced oral sex, um, where basically he was ringing up masseuses not aligned to the team. Uh, this is during like early COVID times uh, and getting people to basically come over to his house where, you know, there is possible evidence and definitely accusations that he may have forced himself on these people. Um, so this was brought up for criminal court by something they have over there in the US, which is called a grand jury, which is basically where uh, a large number of people, usually something about 16 to 20 people, are brought in to kind of look over all the evidence brought forward by the prosecution and see if there's actually a case there. So after a few days of deliberation, I think it was quite a long uh, time, a lot, a lot of evidence to go through, um, you know, several witness uh, remarks and everything like that. Um, the case itself was dismissed by the grand jury and therefore um, effectively started a bidding war within the NFL. So uh, at that sort of time, Deshaun Watson had a big fallout with his team and wanted to trade. And then obviously all these things came out. Um, so it basically started uh, a situation where four different um, teams, the Atlanta Falcons, the Cleveland Browns, the Carolina Panthers, uh, and the New Orleans Saints, uh, each basically took turns to try and woo Deshaun Watson into... Um, playing for them so accepting a trade so basically it sounded like houston had already been given trade terms and they were happy for him to pick whatever team he wanted to choose so um effectively from there uh after ruling the cleveland browns out the next day he joins the cleveland browns um they have given him a new contract of something i think it's about 230 million dollars of which every penny is guaranteed which is very unheard of i mean there's a few players in team you know, that have had fully guaranteed contract. Kirk Cousins at Minnesota Vikings for one, but not many. Um, furthermore, as well, um, they put down his current salary. Uh, so he has a base salary of only $1 million for this year and a massive signing bonus. Um, so that money is basically guaranteed already. This is because there's a very, very good chance that even though he was found innocent in this particular uh, grand jury it doesn't necessarily mean that he won't ever be brought up again and everything else but also it doesn't mean the nfl won't be um potentially suspending him because uh they have a history of if there's you know potential proof of something of suspending players for x amount of games um for example calvin ridley uh who was recently uh suspended for a whole year for gambling on 15 games so uh, which is obviously much worse than possibly uh sexually assaulting women um sorry that sounds very flippant but it's just the very frustrating way that the nfl works and how their bizarre domestic violence three game bans are somehow not as uh, bad as a uh, as gambling on 15 games so um so that's where we are. Uh, he joined the Cleveland Browns, even though there's a potential for his suspension, even though there's a possibility that his civil suits may be uh, are still unresolved and he may have to pay a lot of money. And also given that, you know, more evidence could in the future be brought up to a grand jury and the trials could start again. So my question to you is, um, 
And I mean, Cleveland Browns fans are very, very split on this. I mean, a lot of women's groups have come up uh, and said they are so unhappy with the conduct of the team. Um, my question to you is, is this, why is this allowed? Why, why do we live in a world where if you're a good player, then morality and ethical considerations are, are shelved and put to one side? Yeah, I mean, Dan, surely it's money, right? Effectively. That, yeah, <laughs> is it that it's got to be that simple, hasn't it? Because you know, sports franchises in the US, like that's some of the biggest money makers in in the world, mm. right? Um, they certainly have the highest. You know, the the, the people at the top of these uh, franchises have some of the highest salaries in the world, and and then some of their players have some of the biggest sporting salaries in the world, mm. um, and then you know they all want to get to the Super Bowl where they can all you know make more money, like surely it's all about money like why else would they want someone that's got talent and skill and can help them get more money by being better team mm. that could potentially bring them all the negative press and disrespute and fan anger and right rightful um you know kind of uh disgust surely the only excuse can be because it's going to get them a shitload more money mm. I mean, I, I I want to sort of come in, you know, and, and, and sort of discuss this initially from a sporting point of view because I, I want to get the sports information out of the way before we, we get, you know, delve into morality and things like this. But um, the Texans, they're going to receive three first-round draft picks from the Browns uh, plus a 2023 third-round, a 2024 fourth-round. It's one of the biggest trades in NFL history in terms of compensation. Um, like you said, he's going to be paid $230 million over five years. What the hell's happened to Baker Mayfield? What goes, what, 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 what's happening with him now? What, did they even need a quarterback? Am I going crazy here with this trade? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm taking well, crazy yeah, he, pills. He's, um, he's still there. Uh, he is, surprise, surprise, pretty unhappy that uh, effectively your current husband or wife or whatever has decided to pick someone else and uh, not really tell you about it, um, which is also something that's basically happened to the Atlanta Falcons. They uh, pissed off their current quarterback, Matt Ryan, uh, and then were very surprised that he wanted to leave when they didn't get Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, it, it, it is all, as what Dan said, it's all about money and, and winning and fame. But, um, yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson when he is an amazing, amazing American footballer, quarterback, but he... Um, yeah, obviously he comes with this baggage and kind of just wanted to mention some other, other names. This is not uncommon in, well, British sport, American sport. Um, ben Roethlisberger had uh, several, I think, civil cases brought against him in the early 2010s or something like that, if I remember rightly. Kobe Bryant had a rape charge brought against him. Um, you know, Michael Vick uh, came out of prison after holding dog fighting rings uh, which was apparently something the NFL may have actually known about um, and didn't bother to prosecute him until it became public knowledge. Um, so, yeah, th- th- I think there is a problem and an ethical consideration that um, comes second to winning and to money. And uh, it's a sad state of affairs, really, surely. So you believe, because I've got another question on the back of this, but you do quickly, you believe that Deshaun Watson is, you know, $230 million worth better than Baker Mayfield? Well, Baker Mayfield would have to be paid his own. Uh, he's, I think, his last year of his contract himself. So he would have to have been in line for a suspension. So, I mean, he would be earning, I don't know, 
we're looking to earn in the 30 millions himself. So it's not quite the same. But um, yeah, I think if you if you completely you know desensitize yourself from all the the other areas, the moral issues and everything like that, Deshaun Watson is a, a top five quarterback and is an amazing player and effectively can win you a Super Bowl. Uh, and that's I suppose okay. the, the ultimate answer to that question. No, okay, that's good because it gets, gets the sporting out of the way. Now, Watson obviously denied any wrongdoing. His lawyer, a guy called Rusty Hardin, said mm-hmm. that any sexual acts that happened during massage appointments were consensual. Now, I mean, I, I mean, massage, yeah, I mean, that statement itself is just ridiculous. 22 women accuse Watson of, of sexual misconduct. I mean, can 22 people be wrong? Or, or, and I say this, it's very important to say this, is it innocent until proven guilty? As should be the letter mm. of the law. That's how the world should work. Innocent until proven in a court of law guilty. Um, so do we have to go, okay, he's innocent right now. He's eligible to play. Uh, Brown fans, get behind a Sean Watson. You've got yourself a superstar QB. Well, I mean, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because yes, I mean, there, there, there is a theory and there is a possibility in the world that he is completely innocent. There is even a conspiracy theory that all of this was organised by the Houston Texans themselves when he wanted to leave. Obviously, I, I don't subscribe to that. That's I think that would take dark. a lot of effort and, and, and it would just require someone to uh, blow the whistle on them for them to all go up in flames. But um, yeah, I mean, it is it is something that is very difficult to think. I mean, the fact that it is twenty two separate allegations is is a whole different ball game to um, to uh, you know potentially one or two. And and furthermore, just because it's been dismissed at a grand jury doesn't mean that he is truly innocent. He hasn't had his day in court per se. I mean, yes, he's been grilled over various things. I think he had to do a public appearance in front of this grand jury, but it's not quite the same as an actual court case. It's not uh, the people of Houston versus Deshaun Watson or whatever. Um, So yeah, so it is difficult. I mean, it's one of those things where maybe we do need to to process it as, you know, innocent to proven guilty, but there seems to be so much evidence against him. And and yes, I know once again, that's a very loaded statement, but um, yeah, I just think, I mean, and some of the ways that his defense, he himself and his defense counsel have come out and said, with some of their defenses have been slightly morally repugnant as well. Yeah, I mean, it's super insane. I mean, in um, NFL at the moment, you've got just crazy, crazy things going on. Um, I mean, are you are you, are you pumped and excited for NFL or is this the dark side of the NFL? I mean, right now we've seen mad trades. We've seen some huge free agency pickups. We've seen the GOAT returning from um, gardening leave, could we call it now? I don't know whatever that you call a brief retirement. Um, I mean, a goddamn franchise renamed themselves this this off-season. Has to be one of the great off-seasons of all time. Um, but, you know, not only we got, you know, obviously the Deshaun Watson, but I watched a video the other day of uh, David Ajabo. I think it's the uh, the Achilles mm. injury on Pro Day. Mm. And, uh, you know... Um, he he's a defensive lineman, is that right? Uh, basically, yeah. you know, huge expected to go in the yeah expected to go in the first round, I believe. Um, you know, ruptures his Achilles, goes down, and someone just walked over, stepped over, and picked up the ball and walked away. It didn't look like anyone was even bothered. It's like these guys are just absolute pieces of meat used to build mm-hmm. franchises. 
I don't know. I mean, there always seems to be a sour taste somewhere in NFL, but yet I still I'm just absolutely enthralled by it. It's captivating. Is that is that yeah. a bad thing? It's very difficult because I mean there are some things, and I think Ed and I might discuss some of this tomorrow because we're actually going to have a big discussion about guaranteed money and whether all these players should be in fact given guaranteed money or whether the team needs to have more flexibility, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, yeah, tune into that shutdown cover on Twitter. So please uh, tune into that if you're interested in the NFL. Um, but yeah, I mean I, I saw the Ojabo video and it, it's not good look. Um, and yeah, you said these guys are being trotted out like pieces of meat, expected to do run, run, jump, and balance the ball on your nose, etc. Whenever they're asked to by these people, and realistically, the combine, although it's a massive multi-money um, tool, and the pro days these guys go to to show off their talents are unnecessary. Just use the film, use the tape, uh, and save these guys from injuries because there's always an ACL tear or a, uh, an Achilles tear, or something like that, which could possibly shorten some of these guys' careers, because rookie contracts aren't always that lucrative. And um, yeah, it, it's a difficult situation. But I mean, there's a lot in the NFL that is slightly problematic. I mean, trades, for example, uh, you're effectively trading someone from one franchise to another. So effectively, I could say to you, Dan, you've got to move from where you live and go and live in Glasgow. Um You've got no choice in that matter. You can't reject it. You just have to go because you've signed a contract. And that's the sort of problematic element of all these things. So, um, But at the same point, it makes for amazing, enthralling television. So, <laughs> so it's a bit yeah. of column A and a little bit of column B. Column A and column B, not used hey, by Dan. Really crazy. It. I'll be honest with you, though. $230 million over five years or whatever, it would buy you a lot in Glasgow. Mm. A lot of haggis. And mm-hmm. other said food sauce. Mars bars. bars. Yeah. Delicious. All right. Uh, thank you, Sai. So, um, sticking with morals, I think, Ben, uh, you're going to talk to us about Man United Maybe. again. Um, enjoying dinner dates. What? Yes. Certainly not my morals. Uh, I have none. Uh, but I want to talk about Can some confirmers who don't seem to have any either. Firstly, let's talk sport. Let's stick it on the sports side for a bit. Manchester United got knocked out of the European Cup. We talked about it briefly earlier. It was this kind of super Atletico Madrid display of getting the ball off the field of play, you know, and just winning it through time elapsing. Um, it wasn't a stellar performance from United, but to their defence, I watched a good chunk of this match. It wasn't that bad either. They're just kind of lacking clinicality, I'm not sure if that's even a word. <laughs> it is now. Uh, there's a new word for you. Um, following the game, the international squads got announced. Um, and uh, at this time, a lot of players will take a couple of days to jaunt around the world. Some of the big superstars of the Manchester United team were spotted. Big events. And I want to quote what Gary Neville said, because it's going to lead into a, a little segment on uh, Gary Neville. He said, I quote, I remember a time when United players, managers, executives wouldn't be seen in their local Italian after a draw, let alone getting knocked out of Europe. This last week, we've seen a global tour of F1, concerts, cricket and UFC events. The whole lot are tone deaf. Now, he's basically referring to a team that is not doing too well on the pitch at the moment. And their players swanning off left, right and centre 
enjoying themselves. I'll actually give you a little rundown here. This is uh, from the eye today. So basically the manager, Ralph Ranick, flew to Barbados to watch the uh, um, test match, cricket test match. That's the manager flying away after a loss. Marcus Rashford and Brandon Williams went to Dubai to watch boxing. Jaden Sancho was at a party in the same city over in Dubai. And Jesse Lingard went to Milan bit of fashion shopping you know whatever jesse lingard does in milan obviously this is angered united fans it's angered gary neville i have my own judgments around this and based on the tone of my delivery you can probably tell what um <laughs> but i want to ask you guys uh, should football stars should football players should mega sporting stars get to live the life they want should they be able to swanny off to Benidorm after a bad game and get some R&R or should they respect the fact they get paid millions to be bad at their job right now and try to be better themselves you know try to better themselves try not to let down the dedicated hard-working working-class fans um you know how do you relax after a day at work is it fair that if you've got the money you're going to go to a spa day in the Arab Emirates or should you be at the training ground bettering yourself, trying to be better for your fans because that's the price you pay for being paid literally hundreds of thousands of pounds a week? Um, where does that professional work-life balance sit with Uber Sporting Stars? Sai, I want to ask you first, um, you know, you've had a, say you've had a bad day at work. I don't think you ever have a bad day at work. I'm sure you are on the ball 100% of the time. <laughs> if you do have a bad day, yeah. do you get home? Do you close the curtains, sit on the sofa, watch a bit of NBA, relax? Or do you think, actually, I was a bit shit today. How can I be better tomorrow? Or is that just not, is that not real? Is, this, is, this, is, it, is that not a good comparison to these Uber stars? It's, it's a very difficult thing to say. And the fact that he's been called out, they've been called out by a, a former player, I suppose makes it slightly a bit different than if it was you or I that was effectively calling these people out. Um, because, you know, Gary Neville is going to know, um, you know, how to act, get between games, etc. Uh, and probably based on the fact that if he had been doing something like that, then Fergie would have killed him and buried him somewhere. So um, it's a whole different, <laughs> yeah. different kettle of fish there. But um at the same point, I mean, the counter-argument is these are human beings. And the only thing that makes them different from you or I is the fact that they have a shit ton more money than you or I have probably combined. Um, so are you, you know, if, if these people are effectively expected to lock themselves in a... Um, in, in, in a place that, you know, where they, you're in a house or wherever or in a dark room and, and cry about a loss... Um, does that necessarily help them or are, you know, maybe a, a trip somewhere or watching an event, something uh, allow them to unwind and let off a bit of steam. That's probably been pent up from the game itself. I mean, we all need to have that situation where, you know, if I've had a bad day at work, as you said, I'm not going to lock myself in my room and read medical, you know, skeletal anatomy books or something like that. I'm probably going to, uh, go and watch some TV or, or go, go to the pub or something. And, and that's the thing. I mean, if you're being called out by these, um, by everyday football fans, I mean, some of these guys are going to go down to the pub after a bad day or whatever. So to an extent, I mean, what's the difference? I mean, maybe it's a little bit tone deaf after you go out of Europe because of the fact that that's such a big thing. 
Uh, and it seems like Ralph Ranić himself was leading the charge by going off to Barbados. Um, but yeah, it's a difficult one because maybe this particular circumstance, maybe, but at the same point, like, for example, Villa have lost two on the bounce. As long as the, the Villa players aren't going out and getting drunk or something like that and, you know, affecting their health and their performance, I don't really care what they're doing. If John McGinn has gone to uh, to uh, watch Celtic or something like that, I mean, I'm not going to be bothered by it. In fact, it, if it helps him play better, I'm all for it. So for me... Yes, it's possibly the specific circumstance that has made it such a bad offence. But at the same point, these guys are human. And yes, they may earn a lot more money and therefore have thousand times the opportunities that we do. Um, shouldn't they be allowed to, to live their lives? No, absolutely should not be allowed to live their lives. I, um, no, I, I, don't get me wrong. I, I, I think the work-life balance is really important. It doesn't matter when you're getting paid Uber money or you know just our masses of money. Um, <laughs> I think um, what they, the issue I have with it is Ranić, the manager, is setting an example. He shouldn't be jetting to Barbados to watch cricket. He should be straight sitting down with the executives, the football directors, the board, and saying, listen. This didn't go well. We're out of Europe. How can we make top four? What youth players can we bring through? What things can I do to help you get the next manager in place? Uh, because that's my job as an interim. Um, or is he is he just loving life right now? <laughs> Man United manager, best job Ralph Ranić's ever going to have. Um, and going off, I'm not just putting the finger at him. Rashford, Rashford jetting off to watch uh, to Dubai to watch boxing. Rashford has been god awful on the pitch for over a year it's no way should he be jetting off anyway he should be on that training ground absolutely grinding to be better at what he does there's talk of him leaving the football club his career will be gone and he won't have the voice to say anything or do anything off the pitch if he's not got uh the man united badge on side yeah i mean go back to what you said about ralph ranyak it kind of boils down again to uh the manager set the example, like I mentioned earlier about Fergie. Fergie's not going to do it. anything that happens to Fergie. He's going to be looking through tape. He's going to be on the training field, uh, and, and that's maybe where it goes. And the the um, the the kind of morals and the, the kind of direction of the team should be set from the top, surely. Um, but as to Ralph Rangnick, I mean, ultimately, haven't the Man United directors and everything put themselves in this situation by putting him in as an interim? You know, he's been given the opportunities. He's been giving an absolute shed load of money, and he's obviously enjoying life right now, despite the uh, indifferent performances of <clears throat> Maguire, among other players, and indifferent uh, performances of the team in general. So, um, yeah, I think it's a difficult situation, but ultimately, have the Man United uh, owners actually put themselves in a good place to succeed anyway with this continual interim tag moniker they seem to be putting on their, their managers? Yeah, they're basically like a bougie Watford right now, you know, chopping and changing so quickly. Dan, where'd you stand? Well, I completely agree with what you're saying in terms of work-life balance. We've all got to have it. We've all got to maintain it. There's got to be separation. Some people can do it. Some people's jobs can't let them afford that. I think um, we've seen it in Formula 1. We recently with Yuki Tsunoda. You know, last year, his approach to training and things like that wasn't very good. He didn't care for it. He hated it. Uh, this year, his approach has changed and his team have commented on that and things like that. So there's a bit of professionalism that goes with it. And yeah, if you're ducking out on training or you're not you know, performing and putting all that in, then 
yeah, you shouldn't be jetting off. You should be doing your thing. But, you know, I think the only time that really I might sort of take a, a, a more meaningful issue with someone essentially doing what they want with their own money is, A, if it's, you know, hurting people. But also if, you know, for example, one of them starts harping on about climate change um, and then, you know, we should all fly less and we should all do this and the other and then jets off halfway around the world for, for a weekend jolly, you know, then you, then I think, you know, you, they've got to think about the optics there because of the status that they have. Um, but I think, you know, we're going around in circles on the same conversation, regardless of the severity of the topic from is it okay to jet off halfway around the world for a mini break through to, and this isn't to diminish the severity of some of these things, but through to, you know, things like sexual assault um, or allegations of through to, um, uh, um, uh, God, I can't remember the proper name for it now in Saudi Arabia, the 81 people who got executed executions executed. Thank you. So executions, you know, state, state ordered execution, you know, all those things, money is is quite a common denominator here around whether it's okay that we still do things with these various parties and whether we give them a free pass or not. Um, it, it's it's fairly common theme, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that's fair enough. It's interesting that both of you stand behind that work-life balance regardless of where you are on the um, monetary ladder. That's a horrible thing to say, but that's, that's life, I guess. Um, I want to finally just finish with, Gary Neville. Um, obviously, I've quoted him. Um, I like Gary Neville. Um, it seems that a lot of people like him at the moment, and it also seems that things are going on behind the scenes in politics. Mm. Dan, yes, we're talking about politics on <laughs> last Wednesday of the week, and for good reason. Gary Neville, uh, Sky Sports pundit, reporter, legendary Red Devil, uh, right back, full back, back in the day. Um is hosting a gala dinner alongside Sir Keir Starmer in Manchester. The invite reads, an entertaining evening filled with food, drink, and a Q&A with Labour Party's newest high-profile member. Now, we know that Gary Neville is a member of the Labour Party, um, but some see this as his official move into politics, in effect, a first funding round. Basically, uh, you know, getting that, that, that support... The rumours suggest he could be a future MP. Andrew Weston, I believe, is the current candidate for the Trafford Council, Trafford area. Uh, but I would not be surprised if we saw Gary make that move soon. And I want to know, Sai, Gary Neville for Prime Minister? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But then again, did we think Donald Trump was going to be President of the United States? Exactly. So, it's crazy um, things that happened. Or the old ball bag that's the uh, old mayor of London that's our, that's our prime minister currently. Yeah, I, mean, um, I mean, listen, I mean, yeah, the, the bar isn't, uh, it couldn't be much lower, but listen, Gary Neville, <laughs> Gary Neville for prime minister. I mean, is that a possibility? Could he even be in parliament, member of parliament at some point? I think Gary Neville has speaks, um, you know, very passionately about subjects. I think he's actually relatively well, well read and well uh, understands things. Obviously, you know, he grew up uh, where he grew up in Manchester. Um, so, you know, if that's his passion, if that's what he wants to do, then I'd be very interested to see how it goes. Because as I said, he can he can debate. Uh, he knows his stuff. Uh, and as I said, he's passionate. And I think that's the sort of things that will get people to support him. So uh, we'll see. But, um, yeah, watch this space. Whether he'd give up a lucrative 
football punditry career is, is going to be a very interesting going forwards, but maybe he will eventually grow out of that and, and want to take it a step further and do something more, I'd say more meaningful because that sounds very derogatory, but something that makes a change in his community. Has, has, has he, though, shown political leadership by his support and nurturing of, you know, the young footballers in that England team? And we saw so such profoundly through Marcus Rashford, you know, civically minded, socially conscious players at the same time as performing sometimes at the top of their game. Um, you know, maybe that is the future of, of that kind of elite sport within the UK is a, is a, is a kind of uh, nurturing of of that and uh, maybe it's a good thing that there'll be a blurring of the lines between sport and politics what do you think yeah i mean listen i mean right now the world is looking at an incredible incredible man zelensky who is galvanizing a nation against atrocities and he was he was a damn comedian you know i mean he literally had a sketch show about politics two years before he was running for office um and he's clearly from what I, my limited political knowledge is doing a great job with what he can. So yeah, why not? I mean, we've seen movie stars, you know, Ron Reagan, I'm pretty sure was an actor movie star. Um, and Donald Trump, no idea what he was. Didn't he host a show? Um, in some hotels <laughs> and have a few million in the back. Yeah. So anyone could be a politician. Anyone could be a good politician. I assume um, they don't have to be, you know, the Jacinda Ardern's of the world having done history degrees and traveled the world and that kind of thing. You know, he talks well, he talks to the people, he knows how, you know, the working class mentality in the UK thinks and thrives. Um, I like Gary Neville, even though, he used to play for Manchester United. Um, <laughs> what a top guy. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see where this goes. You know, sport, yeah. politics, uh, that's it, Dan. There you go. All right. Well, um, join us in five years' time for our sister show, the last <laughs> Friday of the week, the Political Sports Podcast. Uh, <laughs> we don't know what medium that'll be through. That'll be on the metaverse, maybe. And we'll be all yes. uh, wearing headsets for that. All right. Let's wrap up the meeting middle there. If you've got anything you want to add about morals in sport, and um yeah join us in that conversation you can find us uh, across instagram and twitter at wednesday pod on either uh okay sport never stops despite the conversation what we got coming up this week dan i'm gonna dive in here because we have got coming up do so in just over nine days. So actually, I could probably wait till next Wednesday <laughs> of the week to say this, but I'm not going to because I'm so excited about it. April in sports is a bop and a half. Uh, not only do we have the Grand National, we also have the Masters. Brighton Marathon coming up a couple of weeks. Is that right? Or the weekend, Dan? Uh, yeah, we've got the... 10th of April, there we go. We've got the Australian Grand Prix. Uh, we've got the Snooker World Championship. We have the NFL Draft. And before that, I think in three, four weeks' time, we've got Tyson Fury and Dylan White. April is a mm. mind explosion in the sporting metaverse. I, I mean, what are you excited for? Well, obviously, Draft is exceedingly uh, top of my, my list, really. But... Uh, the NFL free agency itself is still going, so that's kind of taking a large amount of my time. We're, we're coming down towards the end of the Premier League season, um, so that's going to become interesting. Hopefully, uh, 
Aston Villa can get back on a winning record because apparently they've got to make the Champions League according to Ben in an earlier prediction next year. So uh, we shall see how that goes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be very interesting. Obviously, we'll talk a lot more about that when April comes around. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's a golden month and it's going to be interesting because the weather's going to get better. We're getting barbecues. We'll be drinking beer in the garden and watching sport. Not at the same time unless you've got TV in your garden. But, you know, what a, what a great time to be alive. Yeah, this is this is what it's all about. But this weekend is about enjoying the weather because um, the Formula One is in Saudi Arabia. Don't watch that. And secondly, it's international weekend. No one cares about internationals games. We've got a weekend off the Premier League. So this is the weekend for those cans of beer, cold beer and a barbecued skewer, chicken skewer. There you go, and it's certainly Ooh. feeling warm enough for it. Uh, Sai, what about you? You've got NFL free agency. Excited. Yeah, that's that's literally my life right now. I, I too will be ignoring the uh, England internationals, even though there are two Villa players who were called up. So, um, yeah, I think that's the big thing. Um, NFL free agency, hopefully Chicago Bears actually sign someone, uh, as, uh, as we would say about the Patriots as well, because they themselves... Uh, aren't doing so well so far very quiet um hey, yeah that's about got, it really we got but, nick Foe. yeah not a sport coming up soon yeah you re-signed your kicker that's that's very exciting but you are also <laughs> traded your best guard for a fifth round pick so yeah it swings and roundabouts right there okay <laughs> well i am looking forward to hearing how uh, you lovely listeners uh, enjoy or not our bonus episode video um f1 bahrain gp review so um let us know put it in the comments of youtube we did a youtube and um uh yeah check it out you can find it in the link in the show notes of this show so i think we'll wrap it up there boys because um we'll be back uh, for next week next last wednesday of the week we're gonna have to change these names it's getting a bit of a mouthful now but all I mean to say, and all that's left for me to say is, oh, God, I'm running out of steam. I've been down. Oh, wow. Really, really <laughs> running out of steam there. I think I think that's, that's a, a B minus at best, maybe even a, a C, really. I'm Simon. I was Simon. I am Simon. It's, it's a, a solid shit on the floor. Uh, and I've been Ben. Until next last Wednesday of the week. Be kind. Bye-bye.